Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Congress is back from its March recess just in time to dive into special counsel Robert Mueller's report on his investigation into the 2016 Trump campaign. But on this podcast, we'll focus on what the House already had in store for the week, including a resolution on the military transgender ban and several bills targeting the regime of disputed Venezuelan president Nicolas Maduro. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. The House is also scheduled to vote on overriding Trump's veto of a resolution that would end his emergency declaration for funding along the southern border, as well as the Paycheck Fairness Act, a bill we talked about on our February 4th episode. In the second segment, we'll look at this week's slate of non-controversial bills in the House, including those focused on Venezuela. We start, however, with the military transgender ban, which the House plans to oppose through a non-binding resolution. Travis Tritton is a Pentagon reporter covering the issue for Bloomberg government, and he joins us now. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Good morning. Before we get into the legal dispute and the House's resolution, Travis, can you catch us up on how we got here? What's the history of the military's policy on transgender service members? Well, transgender service members had been banned for decades, and the Obama administration, at the end of the administration, they came up with this open service policy, which would essentially uh, allow transgender troops to serve openly and to uh, get health care, get support for their gender transition surgery. And then in the summer of 2017, President Trump uh, surprised a lot of folks over at the Pentagon and people on the Hill when he tweeted out that transgender troops would no longer be allowed to serve in any capacity. He did order up a policy from the Pentagon. Pentagon studied this and they eventually came up with a policy that was more nuanced. But essentially what it does is it makes uh, the diagnosis of gender dysphoria disqualifying for new service members. What's the uh, administration's justification for banning transgender? soldiers. Right. Yeah. Well, they spent, you know, the Pentagon spent six months and uh, they basically looked at all of the uh, medical data and the science was there that was there. And their determination was, is that if you're diagnosed with gender dysphoria, there's a possibility of all of these other uh, mental health issues that could come along with it, increases in suicide, depression. And uh, they deemed that th- this would be too much of a burden on the military and that it, it should be exclusionary. So there have been legal challenges that have delayed the implementation of the policy since the president announced it on Twitter back in 2017, as you said. Can you tell us about those? Right. Yeah, there were, there were initially four federal lawsuits that were filed against uh, the administration, against the president, the former secretary uh, of defense. And uh, those have been ongoing. Um, at the beginning of this year, the administration got a big legal win in front of the Supreme Court when the court uh, agreed to lift some preliminary injunctions, two of the four preliminary injunctions. And, and what this would do is it allows the military to go ahead and institute the policy while these federal lawsuits are still ongoing. The other two injunctions, one in Maryland, has been lifted, and there's a fourth one uh, here in D.C. District, and that is about to be lifted. It hasn't been formally lifted at this point, but we expect that to happen at any time. 
So the Pentagon uh, was saying it would begin enforcing the policy next month. Was there an impetus for this happening now? Right. You know, it was this uh, these the series of legal victories, right? So they're going to go ahead and they're going to start applying this new policy on the 12th. And what that means is that if you have gender dysphoria, you won't be able to join the military. And current service members will be able to continue serving in some cases, though, right? That's right. There's about a thousand service members currently serving who have been diagnosed with uh, gender dysphoria, they'll be grandfathered in, they'll be allowed to stay in the services under the Obama administration policy. That brings us to HRES 124, which the House will vote on later this week. Why are Democrats taking this approach through a non-binding resolution? Is there anything else they can or, or plan to do um, to oppose what they say is a discriminatory policy? Yeah, well, it's no secret that Democrats in the House uh, have opposed this. And, um, I, you know, this is a political statement. They want to make it clear that they oppose uh, the Trump administration's policy. Obviously, it's non-binding, so it's not going to have any real effect on the, the Pentagon's plans to, to impose this policy. You know, I think the reason they went this route is because they couldn't get Pentagon policy through Congress, right? They couldn't get it passed in the Senate. And I think that they see this as their only viable option at this point is just to make a political statement in opposition. What should we uh, look for next on, on this uh, issue? Right. You know, with these uh, four federal lawsuits, they're, they're ongoing. And that is really going to determine the future of, of Pentagon policy. Um, we don't have a good sense at this point of when they're going to go to trial. And we could see uh, some of them go to trial in the coming months. But it could be a long time for, for these cases to play out and eventually be resolved. They could even uh, last into a, a new administration. So th- there's a lot of uh, question marks here of what the final outcome might be. This is just the beginning, uh, I think, of the political fight over this. And on sort of that note, is this something that could potentially come up again with the defense authorization bill they'll have to take up at some point this year, either just whether it's holding up that bill or just part of the conversation? Yeah, I think it definitely could come up and there may be debate over this, but I just don't think that the House could get anything through in the NDAA that would change the Pentagon's plans on this policy. They may try and they may make it an issue and we may see a debate over that, but I think that it's highly unlikely that something would make it through in the final NDAA that that would, would change this policy at least this year. Travis Tritton covers the Pentagon for Bloomberg Government. Find his work at bgov.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. In just a moment, we'll look at some of the other bills on this week's House schedule. Most weeks while they're in session, the House takes up a number of measures under a procedure called suspension of the rules, this podcast namesake. It requires a two-thirds majority to advance legislation under this process, so it's typically reserved for relatively non-controversial items. That doesn't necessarily make them less consequential, of course. There are several suspension bills scheduled for this week. Here to help us look at them are our fellow legislative analyst, Noreen Chowdhury. Hello. And Michael Smallberg. Thanks for having us. Noreen, let's start with Venezuela. There are a few different bills focused on the situation down there, which involves a dispute over who is the lawful president. For anyone who hasn't been following, could you give us a quick rundown of what's been going on? Right. So in January 2019, there were protests against Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's authoritarian regime. And that led Juan Guaido, the president of the country's democratically elected legislature, to declare himself as the interim leader. While the U.S., Canada, and 35 other countries have recognized Guaido's government, Maduro still controls most of Venezuela's military. 
So let's talk about the bills up for consideration this week. One of them would essentially block arms sales to Maduro's government. Right. So this bill would specifically ban arms sales to the security forces of Maduro's government. Covered articles would include munitions, military commodities, and law enforcement weapons. I also want to note that the State Department has already banned exports of defense articles and related services to Venezuela since 2006 because the country hasn't cooperated with U.S. counterterrorism efforts. And this would just make it a, a legislative approach to that. Right. And specifically to those security forces. Another bill would expand humanitarian aid to the country. What's, what's happening with that bill? Right. So Maduro has rejected international aid. So much of the humanitarian assistance has been provided to neighboring countries that are sheltering more than 3 million refugees, such as Colombia, Peru, and Ecuador. So this bill would authorize the president to provide aid to the Venezuelans in the country and throughout the neighboring region. The bill would express that Congress thinks $150 million is necessary for aid, but the measure doesn't authorize a specific amount. Finally, there's a bill designed to address Russia's move to prop up Maduro's government. What's going on with that one? Right. So on one end, we have this deepening humanitarian crisis in Venezuela with Maduro blocking aid into the country. And on the other, we have Russia's continued support for Maduro's regime. According to the bill's finding, Russia has sent two nuclear-capable bombing aircraft to Venezuela for joint exercises and is also providing loans and personal security for Maduro. This bill would ban U.S. entry of any foreign individual found to have acted on Russia's behalf in support of Venezuela's security forces. And it would also require the president to report to Congress on the national security risks posed by Russia's acquisition of Sitco, a U.S.-based refinery company controlled by the Venezuelan government. Sticking with Russia for the moment, Michael, tell us about this bill on European energy security. So on the other side of the Atlantic, there is a bill that's intended to counter Russian influence in Europe. Part of the challenge there is that many European countries, especially in Eastern Europe, are heavily reliant on Russian oil and gas. So the idea behind this bill is it would authorize funding uh, almost $600 million over over the next two years to spur public and private investments to help European countries develop their own energy infrastructure in areas like natural gas, uh, electricity generation, smart grid, renewable energy. And again, the idea is for these European countries to get different supply routes uh, and energy independence from Russia. Foreign affairs is a the big theme of the week, but not all the bills fall under that rubric. Danielle, outside of the foreign affairs space, there's a drug misclassification bill that you've been following. Yeah, so um, those who have been following the podcast and also Congress might remember this bill from the end of last year. It makes a bunch of changes to Medicaid programs and payments. One of the offsets in the bill would essentially allow HHS to penalize drug companies that are found to have intentionally misclassified their drugs within the Medicaid program as a way to avoid paying higher rebates for them. This sort of arose, um, you know, the sponsors cited this case against Mylan. There were allegations that it misclassified EpiPen as a generic product instead of a brand name drug and so therefore paid smaller rebates. So this would give HHS authority to impose penalties and also just reclassify the drugs if they find that there is an issue, which the sponsors say they don't have the authority to do currently. Thanks all. That does it for this episode. We'll be back with more next week. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Nico Enzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com.